Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone on Zoom. Hello. I see you there on your couches, all dressed. Yes, not in pyjamas. No, no, no. Um, yeah, again, I just want to thank you, um, thank Jinha and Roy for just the opportunity to be here this morning. Um, these opportunities don't come um, often, and um, yeah, by accident I ended up here, but I believe that um, nothing is by accident. Uh, God's timing is, is always good timing, and so, yeah, it's good to be here, and um, to be in the city, I haven't been in the city for a little while now. Um, we walked through, we came from, um, we caught the public transport this morning, and it was freezing. It was so cold. I was dressed, I was rugged up for the snow. Um, but that's what I love about Melbourne. Um, people hate that about Melbourne, but I love that about Melbourne. The weather does change here. It's always guaranteed. It is cold now, but it, there is promise for change. Um, so I love that about Melbourne. And yeah, it's good to be home. Um, We've already had the, a word of prayer, um, but this before we get into it, I just have a, a couple of questions that I want to ask um, everyone here. Um, for you at home as well, you can answer from wherever you are. Um, there's just a couple of riddles just to get us started, get us warmed up. All right, here's our first one. It goes like this. I have legs, but never walk. I may have flowers, but no soil. I hold food but never eat. What am I? Okay, I'll give the clues again. Okay, let's try. Did we, did you say? Oh, yes, it's a table. Okay, so a table has legs, but it never walks. A table may have flowers, but it doesn't have any soil. And a table can hold food, but it does not eat. Tables don't eat. Okay, I have another one. Yes, I just want to, yeah, thank you guys. <laughs> uh, there's prizes, there may, may be prizes. Um, later on, just uh, we'll, we'll have a chat later. Okay, the next one is, I start new, then become old. I start clean, but end up dirty. I usually start big, then become little. What am I? Let's go again, the clues. Oh, wow, you, you're winning, yes! It is soap, but there's also another answer, if you can think of another answer. Soap is one answer, but there's another one as well. Okay, I'll give the clues since our friends, at, oh, our little friends at the back want to help. I start new, then become old. I start clean, but end dirty. I usually start big, then become little. What am I? Yeah, what is it? What do you think? It's similar, similar. I had soap as one answer, but I got one more answer. Did you say bread? Close. Everyone look down. Look down at your feet. Your, uh, close, close. It's on the floor. Shoes. Yes. Okay. So soap and shoes. They start off new, then become old. They start off clean, but end up dirty. And they usually start big, but then they become little. Soap and shoes. Good answer. All right. This is our last one. And then you're going to have the sermon. I promise. We're going to we're going to dive into the word, but I have one more for you. It is greater than God, more evil than the devil. The poor have it. The rich need it. And if you eat it, you will die. 
Anyone at home? Oh, yes. Yes, sir. Mm, close, but not exactly. Okay, I'll give it one more time. It is greater than God and more evil than the devil. The poor have it. The rich need it. And if you eat it, you will die. What do we have? Nothing. Exactly. Yes, nothing. Nothing is greater than God. Nothing is more evil than the devil. The poor want, the poor have nothing. And the rich need nothing. And if you eat nothing, you will die. Alright, I just want, everyone give yourself just a tiny little clap. Thank you for, okay, no more, no more riddles. They say, okay, no more riddles. Now, in each of these riddles, I've given you some descriptions, or I've, I've described some things, uh, about the object. Each of these has a name. Now, throughout the Bible, a person's name describes their personality. But what if something has no name? It is named for its characteristics. Now, there's things like the wise men. They don't have names. There's the leper, the blind man, the widow, the widower, the paralytic. There's heaps of people with no names. So the title of our sermon this morning is The Bloody Woman. So some of you are thinking, that, that name is not really, uh, can we say that at church? But that is the title for today, The Bloody Woman. Because this woman's life was a daily, painful, bloody experience. It was real. Now what we're going to do today is we will discover how a hope-filled faith changed her designation, changed her situation, changed her life, and how this faith brought her into a brief but life-changing encounter with Jesus. And what Jesus did, he didn't just heal her, he did something else. He showed her the true value of who she was, the bloody moan. Now, if you want to grab your Bible or your device, uh, we are going to turn this morning to Mark 5, verse 25 to 34. So at home, if you have a device or a Bible and you want to t- turn with us, our story is coming from Mark 5, verse 25 to 34. This story can actually be found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But Matthew and Luke only give it a very small account. Mark gives it a little bit more of an account, the actual, like a fuller story. And what I want to do is just tell you a little bit about the context in which we find this story. Now, in this story, Jesus is on his way somewhere. He is met by Jairus, who is the leader of, he's a leader, a ruler of the synagogue or of the temple. And he, when he meets Jesus, he says to Jesus, look, my daughter, she's 12 years old, but she, her health is failing. Her health is very bad. And I need you to come with me right now. And we need to go and see my daughter because you are going to heal her. She's within inches. She's within days or moments of her life, of her life ending. You need to come with me. So on his way, They kind of treat it like a side note, like an ad break. Oh, and on the way to Jairus' daughter, they happened to meet the bloody woman. And this is where we find our text this morning. 
So join with me, Mark 5, verse 25 to 34. I'll be reading um, this morning, so if you want to just follow along with me. Now a certain woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch him, and if only I can touch him, touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So our first point today is this. What is her designation? Who is this bloody woman? We're not given a name. She is nameless. And all we're given is characteristics or description of what is going on in her life. She has a blood that's been flowing for 12 years. And at every moment that this blood comes out of her, she actually loses a bit of her life as well. So this woman is weak. Everywhere that she goes, it's not her full self. It's a weak form. And not only that, she's spent her time, her money, all of her effort to find a cure, to find a way, to find a way for this, this thing that's been happening to her to stop. So it was a physical journey, a financial journey, and an emotional journey. Every time she heard about a new, a new thing over here, she'd be like, I'll go to them and see. I'll try and get as much money as I can. Find out if I can, I can get that new cure, that new experimental treatment over here. Anything that she could think of to heal her, to help the pain, she was willing to do. Now, can you imagine what this would have been like? An emotional journey. But this woman was willing to do it because she knew just a little bit, something small would give her some respite from her pain. But she wasn't just nameless. She was faceless as well. What do I mean by this? She was actually considered unclean. Unclean. Now, in in this culture that she lived in, in the context that she lived in, there were things that were clean and there were things that were unclean. And the reason why they needed things to be clean was that they knew that God loved things. When they were holy things, they were clean things. And if they were unclean things, they were unholy things. But what does this mean for the woman? It meant that she wasn't able to go to temple because the entire time she was unclean. Now I bring to you this verse. It's from Leviticus 15. And it talks about exactly the requirements that needed to be done or the, gu- the guidelines that were in place for this woman. And what happened if you had any sort of interaction with blood or discharge or flow of blood. 
Let me read it for you now. 1590 to 28. Okay. It goes like this. If a woman has discharge and the discharge from her, blo- her body is blood, she shall be set apart for seven days. But whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Everything that she lies on during her impurity shall be unclean. Also, everything that she sits on shall also be unclean. Whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. And whoever touches anything that she sat on shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until the evening. If anything on her bed or anything on which she sits, when he touches, he shall be unclean until evening. And if any man lies with her at all, so that her impurity is on him, he shall be unclean seven days, and every bed on which he lies shall be unclean. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than at that time of her customary impurity, or if it runs beyond her usual the usual time of impurity, all the days of her customary impurity, she shall be unclean. Every bed in which she lies, all the days of her discharge, shall to be as her, as the bed of impurity, and whatever she sits on shall be unclean. As the uncleanness of her impurity, whoever touches those things shall be unclean. But if she is cleansed of her discharge, then she shall count her for herself seven days, and after that, she shall be clean. The word that stands out there is unclean. Unclean, unclean, unclean. This is all that the woman was. It was a constant ebb and flow of blood. No matter where she sat, no matter where she went, everything that she touched would be unclean. She was literally cut off from her family, from her friends, from her community, from the temple. She had no way to get in there because she was unclean. What a life, honestly, of pain and suffering. That everything that you do, that everywhere that you go, no one can touch you and no one can be around you. Now, COVID has actually shown us what it's like to be cut off. What it means to be distanced, social distance. It's, it's become the new normal. To wear masks, to be cut off with borders, Um, to be cut off from our family and friends. And it gives us a glimpse of what it would have been like for this woman. I mean, thank God we have Wi-Fi connections, right? And Zoom and um, Facebook Live and all the the little things on our, our phones that keep us together. But this woman had nothing. Completely cut off. Completely ostracized. And imagine well the, as well the toll that it was taking on her emotionally and mentally. It's a life of pain and suffering. Have you ever seen anybody go through terminal cancer or go through a life of pain? Um, uh, this time last year, a friend of our, one of our church friends had been uh, battling cancer for 10 years. And after 10 years, um, he had brain cancer. And um, even to the end, he had one last surgery that they said might help, might ease the pain, but it wouldn't prolong his life. But he said, you know what, I'll give it a go. I haven't lost hope yet. As long as there's there's, um, something out there that can help, I'm willing to do it. Um, Three weeks later, after the surgery, he passed. And 
Uh, our friend Michael uh, is dearly missed, but he didn't give up even in the end. And that's what we loved about him is his spirit to be like, you know what, this is the situation that I'm in, but if I can get some help, I'm willing to do it. And that is where this woman was. She may have been desperate. She may have been at the end of her tether. She may have been done with going from place to place in search. But she had one last glimmer of hope. And that hope was Jesus. So this was her determination. Because who was Jesus to her? She was just some lady. Some side note, some ad break in the big story that is really Jairus' story. But who could Jesus be to her? It tells us at the beginning of Mark 5, and these are the stories that she heard. She'd heard that Jesus was a healer. Jesus wasn't just a teacher. He, he, could, he had just come from uh, calming the storm and the sea. He had been with his, his followers and he would calmed the wind and he'd he'd um made everything quiet and still and he got rid of the storm he did that he could do that with with the weather like who was this man to her and she kept thinking and and also after that he then took the demons out of that man who'd been crazy for all of his life this man is the man that i need to get to man this is the man that has disciples who follow him, who have this multitude that follows him. Surely this is the one. And even so, leaders, rulers, rulers of our, of, of our country want him to come to their homes. This is who Jesus was to her. But if only she could just touch him just the once. That's all she was thinking. I don't need a whole conversation with him. We don't need to sit in a room and hash this all out. I just need to touch his garment. Now, by touching this garment, it was more than just the hem of his cloak. I was like, why just the hem? Like, why don't I grab the whole of Jesus and be like, make me good? Why didn't she? She just wanted the hem. Like, I would have went for the full, you know, the body, but like the big hug and. Like, Jesus, man, make me, make me good. Uh, no, she just wanted the hem of his cloak. And I, and I was, I was in my, in my study, I was looking, what is so important about, um, this hem of the cloak? Now, apparently during this time, the hem of the cloak, they would put tassels. Now, these tassels, I'm going to read for you very quickly here. It goes, so these tassels would be on, various parts at the bottom of their cloak and they were white and they would have a blue thread that went through them. And this is what the tassels were supposed to mean. So it says here, Again the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments and throughout their generations and to put a blue thread in the tassels of the corners. And you should have the tassel that you may look upon it And remember all the commandments of the Lord and do them. And that you may not follow the harlotry to which your own heart and your own eyes are inclined. And that you may remember and do all my commandments and be holy for your God. For I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. And I am the Lord your God. 
So this little tassel, it looks like just an adornment, um, just uh, a thing that looks pretty, but it actually has a much more significant meaning. She knew that all she had to do was touch just the hem of his garment where the tassel was, and it would be a reminder of the law, a reminder of what God had done for them, for their people, and how God had delivered them from Egypt. Wow. Now the woman was determined to be healed by Jesus and will seek him out by any means necessary. So this is the deliverance. But she was thinking now, who can I be? Her designation, determination, this is, this is who Jesus can be to me. But deliverance, who can I be if I just touch the hem of his cloak? And there she was, the faith of the woman, as it tells us in Mark 5 verse 28, pushed the crowd, the crowd that wanted nothing to do with her, her entire life, that she knew, she literally had to social distance. She touched, elbowed, and pushed through that crowd to get to Jesus. The faith, her faith, was huge. Because remember, for 12 years, she would never even... She would never even get any, anywhere close to people, to her family, to her friends. But here she now was, willing to push through the crowd. So she pushes through. And finally, she touches Jesus. And instantly, she knows in her body that everything is healed. That the blood has stopped. She feels life poured back into her. Life poured back into her. Some people ask, how did she know instantly that she was healed? When you live with a life of pain, when you live with a life of a constant struggle, like you know your body well enough to know when it stops, when that pain is gone, when something is healed, you know. You know straight away. And instantly she knew that Jesus' lifeblood was flowing into her. But the story ends there, right? Does the story end there? No, the story doesn't end there. It, it should, you'd think it would end in verse 30, but it doesn't actually end there. What happens now is she's healed, but Jesus turns to his disciples and asks them, Who touched me? Who touched me? And they're thinking, like, Jesus, come on, man, like, there's so many of us. There's like a crowd. There's people pushing and shoving. There's people everywhere. How do we know one one person that touched you? Because he felt that too. In the instant that his life flowed into her, he actually felt the life flow out of him. He felt it too in the instant. And when he calls her out, he says, Who touched me? The woman is scared. Because, look, all she came to do, all she wanted to do, she came to Jesus to be healed. Just touching the hem of his cloak. Remember, she didn't want a conversation. Didn't want need to be in the same room with him. I just need to touch the hem of the cloak, and she was done. Because she, what had happened was, yes, her faith had gotten her there, but everything about her was still the same. Her demeanor, the, the way she carried 
her body, the way she felt about herself was still the same. She was afraid. She had been unclean, unholy for such a long time that even if being healed meant it, it, it felt good, she actually didn't know what it meant to be. And how, how dare she? How did she try to? She was afraid. And when she came trembling back to Jesus, when she came trembling back to Jesus, these are the words that he said to her. Because she fell down on her face. She was afraid. Because she's like, I did something that I wasn't supposed to do. And she fell down at Jesus' face. And he said to her these words, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed. But the words that came first were daughter. Because Jesus didn't just want to heal her physical ailments. He wanted to do something for her whole life. In that moment when he said daughter, he was saying, you are my daughter. You're not just a bloody woman. You're not just a bloody woman. And it is no accident that Jairus' story appears directly before and after. A story about a father intent on helping his daughter who was 12 years old. And here was a woman and Jesus was saying to her, just like this father, you are my daughter. And Jesus is saying the same thing. So this woman, the blood stopped flowing. But from that moment on, Jesus' life poured into her and was now overflowing. So in that moment, the blood stopped flowing, but Jesus' life was now overflowing. So the faith of the bloody woman, it pushed her to brave the crowd who rejected her to touch Jesus. But just one touch and finally, at last, the blood flow stopped and she was healed. But Jesus' healing was holistic, not just physical. He wanted to heal the woman in every single way. He wanted to change her life. And not only that, but give her life in abundance. This woman came to Jesus with no name, anonymously. But he did not want her to remain nameless or faceless anymore. Her identity and status were no longer the unclean, the outcast, the ostracized, or the bloody woman from henceforth. But she was the loved and accepted daughter. So today I ask, I ask you at home and I ask everyone here. Is your value determined by your achievements, your accomplishments, what you do, or how hard you work? Um, some of us have characteristics that we, that we just have, like some, or some that we've put on ourselves. Some of us are newlyweds, some of us are older couples, uh, some of us are business execs, some of us are uh, factory workers, some of us are young professionals. 
Um, some of us are the boss, and some of us are the pastors here, and some of us are just students. But too often we base our value on our success in life, our job title, our status, um, the things we do, and how we live our lives. But these are temporary. They change. And in every season that you're at in your life, it will end. And a new one will come. How about, just like this woman, our brokenness, where we come short? How about the things we don't do? How about how we treat each other? And how about how we treat ourselves? Are they the value of who you are? Because sometimes pain and suffering and the struggles that we go through, sometimes they become us. We don't mean it. It's just... It happens day in, day out for such a long time that it becomes who we are. And even some of our sins, they become who we are as well. And they may not be your name today, but we carry them with us wherever we go. But I question you this. Are we defined by the characteristics that life has dealt us? Um, So after wrestling with... uh, the manic highs and lows of depression for most of my life. In, a, in 2012, I was diagnosed with bipolar. And I've experienced the silence, the shame, and the stigma that my culture brings to mental health. I mean, even today, it's not a conversation we have on the table. And my, my journey with bipolar is not freely discussed with close family, friends, um, sadly, it is mostly shared um, with health professionals and strangers. Uh, so, it's interesting. Yeah, with strangers. But a few years ago, I had the opportunity to share my testimony for the first time, candidly and publicly. And it's amazing what happens when you share your testimony. I thought... I thought I was, by being vulnerable, I was laying myself out to be completely naked to the world. Um, but what happened was, because I opened myself up to, vo- to be vulnerable and to be completely honest, um, it in turn allowed for the people that were listening to be just as vulnerable and just, just as honest with me as well. And... I'm actually on a very good place, uh, in a very good place in my life with with this struggle. Um, it doesn't have a cure, and I don't think everything in this life is going to have um, a cure or be f- completely resolved. Um, but I do know, but I do know that it is not what defines who I am. Um, this. Yeah, my mental health struggles do not define who I am. And I need to be reminded, of course, that's why we come here. We get together as community and we share and um, we break bread and we pray together because we need to do it. We can't do it alone. We have to do it in community. And we need to be reminded. We need to be reminded that our value is being in a daughter or a son of God. And... I'm 
I don't know if I was going to use this, but I'm going to use it anyway. So, this is a $20 note. It's a legit $20 note. I won't tell you how I know, but I just know it is. And um, with $20, it will get you a couple of trips on the train. What else can it get you? It can get you a, uh, a large meal at McDonald's with some sides. Yep. And uh, you could probably... Put credit on your phone if you do credit. I don't know. Does anyone do credit anymore? No. Um, no, no. That was a big no there. Um, what else? $20 can buy you... From Kmart, you could probably get an outfit, uh, a top, and yeah, $20. I get some head nods there. Um, so the thing is with this $20 is... It doesn't matter if I like... If I scrunch it up. Um, it doesn't matter if I... I Okay, no, I did it. Uh, don't worry, it's my $20 note, it's clean. It doesn't matter if, if I've changed that 20 to a 10, would it still be a $20 note? Yeah, it's still a $20 note. Um, it's still, even if I cut it in half, and I had both pieces and I took it to the shop, it's still a $20 note. And what makes it a $20 note is the value that we've given it. And that's all I want to, that's our little application for you for today. Your take home when you're spending your twenty dollars <laughs> this week about how are we going to respond in terms of value? Because no matter what I do to this twenty dollar note, it's the value doesn't change, right? It's still twenty dollars. Obviously, if I take it to another country, I have to change it. But here in Australia, this legal tender, the value is always twenty, and that's how God sees us. That's how He sees us. Not as a $20 note. We have infinite more value than a $20 note. But the fact that it doesn't change. No matter how scarred, bruised, uh, things that we do to it, the names we add to it, our value is always in being a son and daughter of God. So today, um, you can just repeat this in your head and say this where you are. I just want you to say these words. I believe in the value that you have in my life, Jesus. And that it never changes. And I want to live knowing that you have a great work for my life. Because Jesus is life. And when Jesus gives life to you, he gives it in abundance. He gives it in overflowing. Not just for us, but for others. Because we are no longer nameless faceless our identity and value is in Jesus and we are fully wholly accepted and loved as sons and daughters of God let's pray Father God we thank you for the opportunity to look into your word and that each story in there is important and Each person is important there, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you have shown us this morning just how how much you love us. And even though at times we think that uh, the things that we're doing and the things that we are are not good enough for you, Lord, we know that uh, just like that woman, her faith gets us to you, but you are the giver of life. And you want us to have life that is good as well. 
Father God, for anyone that is here um, that is in need of your special love, we just pray for special blessing that your Holy Spirit may be with them. And for those who are listening at home, that you may be with them as well. Father God, thank you that you see us all as sons and daughters of your, of, of yours. And we thank you for, um, yeah, we just thank you for this opportunity just to be here and to share in community. And, um, for all these things, Lord, we ask your special blessing. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.